probably within the next couple of weeks we'll probably be talking about current affairs more. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Because yeah, I, I, I heard yesterday. Current well, affairs. This is not part of the study, by the way. Um, yeah. Today, but yeah. Um, but I, I heard. I, I guess that there's you know concern about you know the time from now until the inauguration. You know, probably after that too. So we we continue to pray for our country. Yeah. Has there ever, you know, my, my time is somewhat limited here on Earth, but has, has there ever been, you know, a time like this? Four years? Oh, yeah. Late oh, 60s. Within the whole world's watching. Anybody remember that? What? The Democratic National Convention, 1968 yeah. or 69. Remember 68. that? I don't. I know you. You all remember that. There was marching and uh, and rioting, and the chant was "The whole world's watching." And before that, there was a civil rights uh, protest and stuff going on in the early '60s. Yeah. We just had TV, didn't we? Just around that time, we got TV. We just got TV around that time, didn't we? Yeah. So I think with media as it is too. And before that, in the uh, in the 1860s, it really blew up. Wayne over really there grinning because he the knows Patriot what I mean. Again, in the 1860s, we had a civil yeah. war. Show us what they went through to get us our freedoms, and we can't let those go unchallenged. I don't, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, you know, is that uh, is that? I mean, I, I know there, there's potentially some truth. To the movie, but it's oh, yeah, kind yeah. of they, oh, sensationalized well, yeah. a little bit. But, but I mean, at least with oh, the families. But if you were really there, it would be sensationalized enough, I guess. Yeah. Which movie Reality. was that? The Patriot. Mel Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. Well, I know it's a he fictional flattery. story, but it's still it. Yeah, it but you got to realize. I mean, out of the out of the uh, Constitution signers, four or five of them lost everything they had. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of them lost everything they had. They just. Yeah. Well, I don't know about all of them, but I know there was three or four of them that uh, lost everything they had and died, you know, as poppers as it was put. You know, I mean, they, uh, that's happening right now. Arlington came from one of them's uh, farm. The, uh, they put a, uh, a cemetery there to make sure that uh, they could never, been, never again be used for a farm. But, uh, but from what I understand, it was it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, it was. But uh, I also I also heard of a, in jump in government class there was a, there was an incident between uh, Clay and somebody else, and there was there was pistols drawn in the chambers. Oh really? Yeah. Clay was one of them, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they were, they were getting ready to go at, I mean. Bird. No. It was a different incident. It was a different incident. It was later on than that. It was, it was, there was an incident that they were. Dylan. And they, those two weren't the only ones with pistols that day. So it was like. Time being, uh, our our plan today is to uh, introduce and to discuss uh, 
talk about the prayer of the church. So we're moving along in the liturgy. Uh, last week, uh, we uh, we talked a little bit about the offertory. Um, and inclusive of that uh, is the offering, of course. Uh, but today, prayer of the church, and then uh, I think next week we actually begin the service of the sacrament uh, in our study. So let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, you command us to pray, calling us to call upon you in every trouble. Pray praise and give thanks. You also promise to hear our prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. So hear us as we come before you according to your word. Hear our petitions for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant peace to this nation and give your people everywhere your church, bold confession of your name, that others and that all repent of their sin and trust in your Son for the salvation of their souls. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so to begin, um, this may sound familiar to you, uh, the, the introduction to the Lord's prayers. It's sometimes referred to as, in Luther's small catechism, Our Father who art in heaven. And I wanted to start by... Uh, by referring you to Luther's explanation in his small catechism where he says, by these words, God would tenderly encourage us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children so that we may ask him confidently with all assurance as dear children ask their dear father. And what blessed words these are. Um, fathers today are only a a weak representation of the true Father in heaven. And that's, uh, I know just, you know, practically speaking, uh, the way that a father is does influence how one might see the true heavenly Father, right? So if, if there's an abusive relationship, for example, that's really going to affect how one sees the true Father, especially when that comes up. Um, but we, we see such a contrast because the true Father, the Heavenly Father, the one revealed as the first person of the Holy Trinity, is one who gives, who provides, who sustains, who preserves, who cares for, um, so much so that, of course, he delivered his own son uh, to die our death on the cross. And he gives his command, he gives his promise, as, as mentioned uh, before. Um, but we see as true children, he is our true Father, and that we may ask Him confidently with all assurance as dear children ask their dear Father. Note that uh, passage from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 from the New King James Version. They continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship, that is, in the teaching, and then also the gathering together. And how significant that is continually, especially in our day, uh, you know, with, with uh, the pandemic still uh, continuing, uh, but also for, for other calls to kind of separate and the like. What did the early Christians do? Why did they do that? Um, to encourage one another and to be fed with the bread of life. And we also have the reference to the breaking of the bread, which is shorthand for receiving Holy Communion, the sacrament of the altar, and then, of course, in prayers, which uh, we'll be focusing on uh, today and especially with reference to the prayer of the church. So if you look at slide 173, it's on page one. Um, this is from a, a, a book 
on uh, entitled The Lutheran Liturgy uh, by Reed. It's uh, written a number of years ago. Um, but just two quotes from there, and I have uh, some quotes from another work as well as we uh, dig into uh, the prayer of the church. The prayer of the church is part of the offertory, according to Reed, in a larger sense, the three parts of which the offering of gifts, the offertory sentences, that would be the offertory, uh, this, the chanting, as we looked at last week, and the prayer of the church. Um, Reed interestingly combines these together. The offering of gifts, the offertory sentences, and the prayer of the church is, is our giving, right? So not only in terms of giving things, giving alms, giving money, uh, giving offering, uh, but also the giving of our prayers too, the sacrifice of prayer and thanksgiving and offering our petitions to our Lord. The prayer is the liturgical counterpart of the offering of alms, according to Reed. He continues and says, this prayer includes, that is the prayer of the church, includes the fundamentals and the universals in its grasp. Like the creed, it lifts the individual and the local congregation out of personal and parochial consideration. It is a prayer for all sorts of conditions of men, which is, uh, you know, in, in, in preparation for this, I, I noticed that uh, in, in some of the works, they actually distinguish between personal prayer and the prayer of the church. It's corporate. It's not about me. You know, and, and, and one had even commented that in, in other fellowships, you know, many of the prayers that the pastors might pray publicly are more personal in nature rather than public. And when we speak of prayer of the church, it's not just the prayer of the congregation, though it includes the petitions of members of the congregations, um, of the congregation, but it includes the whole church as well, universally. Right? Um, so, um, you know, we, we talked about this briefly before with reference to the preface. We'll talk about it more again, but that, that place, uh, you know, just before we sing the Sanctus, uh, the proper preface where the pastor says, with angels and dark angels and all the company of heaven, uh, that really gives us a bigger and broader picture of what is going on in worship. We often, we, we often may uh, consider only Clovis. Yeah. Right? But the church is larger than Clovis, right? The, the church is larger than Emmanuel. It includes not only our circuit, not only our district, not only the synod, um, as, as we refer to it that way, but also universally. You know, all those who believe in Jesus Christ, right? Um, so when we, when we speak of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, you remember those words, um, after I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. We are including ourselves in that, but we're also expressing, you know, our confidence, our our, um, our belief in the Christians that we don't see right in front of us. Right. So, uh, you know, think about this: when we pray, for example, "Our Father," we're praying with other Christians. Those same words, not only within our fellowship. Um, but with uh, Christians worldwide that are praying uh, in faith through Jesus Christ to the Father in heaven. All right, so, um, you know, the prayer of the church includes petitions by members of the congregation, of course, but they also include the prayer of the church as a whole. You know, so we, we, we have a preschool, 
But we also pray for schools. We also pray for seminaries, for example, and the like. And we'll get into that in, in just a moment. Now, um, I guess I got to change this too, don't I? Um, so the, the second, uh, or actually slide 154, or 174, I should say, um, you know, continues that idea. Um, yeah. Uh, this prayer includes the fundamentals, and we talked about that already, right? Yeah. Uh, all sorts of conditions are met. So the next one is, uh, is um, this is a quote from this little book here, Gathered Guests, and it's in the second edition, but it's uh, it's about worship and liturgy in the Lutheran Church. And uh, uh, I think he's a retired um, professor now, uh, Tim Mashke. Uh, he was at Concordia University, Wisconsin. But he writes, the prayer of the church brings the concerns of the whole people of God before the assembled people of God, so united in heart and voice they may make their request known to him who hears all prayer through Jesus Christ. So, you know, the prayer of the church is not just about me, it's not just about us, it's also about you know, the church as a whole. So you'll, you'll notice that, and, uh, you know, after... Uh, after the next slide, we'll, we'll look at that and then I'll uh, uh, make some references to the upcoming prayer of the church and uh, see if you could uh, identify you know, some of these uh, petitions that we pray. All right, so uh, if you can't see it here, you hopefully we'll be able to see it on your handout. But the petitions of the prayer of the church include, and this is also from uh, Mashke, uh, he had it listed, I just put it in a chart, there's, there's Primarily 12 items or 12, 12 areas that are included often uh, in uh, in the prayer of the church, and, and of course more can be included depending on circumstances as well, and they may be more specific. Also, so thanksgiving for what God has done. Number one, number two, for the church, God's people gather around word and sacraments. For the leaders of the church, uh, that would include pastors. Um, you know. Uh, elected officers and the like uh, locally as well as the greater church of art so we might we, we also pray um, regularly I think for the synodical president for the circuit visitor uh, etc uh, we pray for the mission of the church that others hear the gospel that others who are not baptized be baptized and uh, be given the gift of life through through water and word we pray, we pray for younger churches and their struggles and their joys. We pray for the nation and all the peoples of the world. We pray for peace, uh, generally speaking, but also we've become particular in there. We pray, we pray for schools of various ages or of various uh, you know, age groups, for homes, for all sorts and conditions of people. Number 11, for our economic and cultural life. Oftentimes, for example, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pray a petition for those who are either um, not employed or underemployed, you know, kind of thing. You might recall those from some of the prayers that we've had in the past. And also, uh, we, we often uh, conclude with an anticipation of joining those in the church triumphant, right? Those who have gone before us in the faith, and we pray that we remain in the faith also and, uh, and join them on our last day or when the, last, when the Lord returns. All right, so um, th this is a prayer, um, or this this uh, will be the uh, the prayer of the church on Sunday, 
And I'll just call out, uh, I, I'll just note a few things. For example, we, we pray, um, for, we, we will say, uh, or I'll say this petition, O Lord, you have called us into the fellowship and priesthood of your Son, Jesus Christ. By his incarnation and great work of salvation, heaven is open to us in him. Give us boldness to cling to your faithful call that your deliverance would not be hidden but spoken freely in all the world. So we're praying individually, but also collectively, and, and that others also uh, hear the word as it's spoken freely uh, throughout the world. And in fact, you know, I, I might uh, I, I use that as a as kind of a, a, a leaping board. Um, I, we had a, a pastor's circuit yesterday, and, and one of the concerns of uh, um, the pastors in our circuit, I think, generally speaking, is this desire of uh, of the government of our society to really silence truth. And I don't mean just general truth; I also mean biblical truth too. You know, and uh, we we talked about that I think a little bit last week, right? Or was it Sunday with the the, the prayer, you know, from Congress? Yeah, by the, the was, Pastor Cleaver. That was last Wednesday. Okay. Is it bad when you start mixing days together? Is that a common no. phenomenon? No. That's just me, right? Nobody else does it. It'll happen more as you get older. Thanks it only gets scary when you wake up in the middle of the night trying to remember, okay, what day is coming? <laughs> I wear my watch just for that. Well, I, I think today was one of those days I came down here and I thought, okay, I have everything. Uh, no, then I had to go back and I came back. No, I still don't have everything. You never do that, right? Oh, no. Okay, good. Well, good for you. <laughs> walk in the kitchen and I'll go, I know I came here for a reason. Right. So I wasn't. Okay. Walk back out. Well, they say you walk track. through the door, you'll yeah. forget what you went in there for. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like. It's true. So if you walk through my house, it's like you walk through three doors to get to the kitchen, and then you really lost about why you came here. Um, you know, I, I'm also finding it encouraging to be around other couples. It's like, oh, they do that too. Yeah. 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 Or when they have, you know, kids, with, you know, families with kids. It's like, oh, okay, so we're not the only family with. No. Well, the whole reason I watch Dr. Phil is it makes us feel better about our family. <laughs> like, oh, we're not so weird after all. Reassure God for all. Just watch him. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Phil. Because yeah. oh. otherwise you might get the impression that something's wrong. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, something is. I mean, it, something is. But it is, it's not just. Yeah, it's me. not just us. <laughs> it's not no. just my family. It makes you feel better. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, having a 13-year-old. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, you got a good 13-year-old, though. <laughs> well, that's because he's so shy and quiet when he's See? around people. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what people thought about Carly, too. Oh, she's such a sweet. I mean, he's, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. But, uh, yeah. But, and then and then with this whole COVID thing, too, that's just... Yeah, um, that's kind that's, of... It's a strange phenomenon. I, I wanted to point out, he's only shy when you're looking. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. He seems to do better than his brother. Sorry for kids with this whole COVID thing. Especially those real social kids. It's hard on them. It's hard yeah. on my grandson. 
Yeah. What? And, and so, so they uh, kind of move that energy yes. in different places. You know, and, and so, you know, as much as I might speak, well, don't tell him this, uh, <laughs> but as, as much as I might uh, speak against uh, or, you know, kind of decry the amount of, of, of social media, you know, and, and gaming, um, I, I think for many kids it, it is an outlet. You know, it's a social outlet too. Especially so, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, when I grew up, when I was growing up, and, and maybe you could, uh, you know, recognize this too. But you know, being outside, playing with friends, you know, getting physical activity and stuff. But but for many today, I think it's it's different. Well, you don't want to just let your kids just run outside without keeping an eye on them nowadays. You know, when we were kids, it was a whole different story. We'd go outside as soon as breakfast was over, and our parents didn't see us till the next meal. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And they weren't worried. They weren't yeah, worried, yeah. They were just know? hungry when they came home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We used to not lock our doors on our house. Yeah, no. yeah now any, anymore, I, I think. Well, we lock it all up now. Oh, yeah. Better. When I was that age, other other kids' parents were never afraid to correct. Oh, that's true. And call, even give them a swat every oh, once yeah. in a while. Call, and call your parents Boy, and say, you'd wind you know up in prison a lot. You'd wind up in prison if you did yeah, that today. The, uh, the, the second petition, and maybe we'll move on, but the second petition, uh, not of the Lord's Prayer, but the second uh, Request or prayer in the prayer of the church for this coming Sunday is gracious God preserve your church here and throughout the world Send forth laborers into your harvest and sustain those you have sent Especially our synod president our district president our circuit visitor mm -hmm. And then uh, includes concludes with this uh, Request make all Christians bold in confession and unwavering in prayer You know so that's again the idea that it's not just about us locally it is it can, it, you know, we, we include, of course, prayers and concerns with our congregation locally and with our particular circumstances um, and situations, but also as with the church as a whole. You know, I, I know one of one of the discussion points too with our pastors in the circuit uh, just uh, the other day was uh, was the desire and need uh, for public voices. You know, even within the church, you know, and especially within the church for the congregations, you know, for the people. So, you know, you think locally, of course, the pastor, but regionally, the district president, uh, nationally, the synodical president, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we hear it like on the media all the time, you know, Pelosi, you know, McConnell, you know, and, and, and various others. Um, but very rarely, it seems, do we have we heard much from, you know, from leaders in the church concerning these various things going on, right? Um, maybe in the reporter, you know, in Lutheran Witness. Uh, but I remember, uh, I think it was when President Harrison was was uh, initially elected within the first or second year. There was this um, big to do about. Uh, the, remember the Affordable Care Act, and uh, you know the desire to include abortive patients in the health care policies. Yeah. And I remember uh, President Harrison, along with I think 
I want to say between two and four other religious leaders were kind of uh, testifying on this panel. And I, I remember thinking when I, you know, I, I don't remember everything that he said, but but just seeing our Sinatra present there, I had not seen that, you know, in, in such a public way for years. And, and I don't know if I've ever seen that, where you have you have a, a, a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, synodical president on this panel discussing these very four things with reference to life. I don't remember ever seeing that before. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, I, I think I, I, I kind of had some pride about, you know, our synod. We're, we're saying something, you know, and others are able to hear it. Up until the early 60s, what he said was just a given in our whole society. You know, you did not find abortions out in public. You had, they used to call them back alley abortions. They had to be hidden. You know, they were illegal. Right. And uh, that all changed in the 60s and 70s. And that's why that makes such an impact now when somebody is out there saying that. It makes right. a big impact now. Because we have uh, basically an entire generation that's grown up with it being a legal, even ethical thing. Yeah. Well, and, and especially today, with um, I, I think, you know, we, we are at a, at a point where freedom of speech is really under attack right now. I mean, there, there's no question about that. But I mean, so so we think, okay, even the president of the United States is being blocked from, you know, social media. Um, what does that mean for the church in, in days, in weeks, in months to come? Because what does the church, as she is faithful to the word, what does the church proclaim? The whole constitution. <laughs> most uh, most people refer back to the First Amendment when they're thinking, when they're considering freedom of speech. And the First Amendment is strictly a restriction on Congress. If someone like yeah. Facebook wants to restrict somebody, they're within their rights to do it, whether we like it or not. Right. But if you think of the, 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 the specific content of the preaching that the church gives, as she is faithful to the word, what does she do? She condemns sin. Yeah. She condemns much, I, I want to say all, but much of what our society now is about. Mm -hmm. It does. They're singing a whole different tune now because when those bakers, those bakers were really in Washington, yeah. and they refused to bake the, that right. cake, wedding cake, and it went, yeah, yeah. and they were all screaming that how can they do that? Right. But now that Facebook or Twitter has has denied Trump the right to to tweet anymore, oh that's okay because that's a private business. Well, those bakers were a private business they sure were, as well. They, they yeah, it's not fine out. Yes. Well, and, and so, what's yeah. you know, it's a double standard yeah. for Christians. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mean, you know, one could say, you know, using that argument, could one say, for example, that the church is a private business? You know, in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, in a different sense, it's not. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that kind of begs the question: where, you know, where where are we going from here with reference to the church? And, and it's. Uh, it is a temptation, and I think you know many many church bodies 
have kind of compromised and given in. So they're not going to say what needs to be said, you know, uh, because they're, uh, how should I say, you know, their their end game is not to speak the truth. Their end game is to, to get members, survive, you know, or to gain member. I mean, that's another goal, right? You know, uh, it, it, it's kind of along the, you, you may have heard this, uh, this phrase, the end justifies the means. Utilitarianism, uh, that's the way of, of many in the church today. And that's our society, too, kind of works that way. But the church works differently than that. It's, it's not the ends justifies the means, um, because the means are significantly important. Because if they're contrary to the, the word, you know, really, I mean, do the results really match? Um, you know that and, and the results uh, you know here's another facet too the results are not determined by us the results are determined by God so you can do we were talking about kids before you can do everything right with your child the way you should do it I mean there's still room for confession right uh, but, but still you know you love your child you do all you can um, and things still don't turn out right you know, and, and using that argument, the ends justifies the means. Well, you know, you could do everything right, and everything doesn't turn out the way that we would hope that we would, right? Um, on the other hand, um, and this is not justification for this, but you know, we could really screw up, and yet somehow, by God's grace, the child is fine, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that happens too. It's not determined by us, um, and that's why we continue to pray for not only ourselves but also our children. And their families and so on and so forth. I've got two like that and one like me. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I've got two that turned out great and one turned out like me. There's still hope for you, Earl. You have to think about the psalm too, which David talks about, you know. Train up a child the way he may go, you know, and in the end he'll return. You know, there's, yeah. there's always, there's always, I mean, look at the number of parents, you know, prayed for their kids for years, you know, and it's like never seen light. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, oh, the light come on, and all of a sudden. It's like, yeah. Takes up kids until they're, you know, older for the light to come on. And yeah. it took Carly a while. Right now. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's amazing. I, I think growing up, and then you know, when you have kids of your own, you know, you start. Oh, that's why they did that. Mm -hmm. Carly's constantly texting me. I'm sorry, mom, because she's got teenagers now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so no, I know sorry, like but I put you through. Yeah. May I? Ask? I <laughs> Getting back to our topic. Yeah, this has been really bothering me. I really want to clarify this. The last part of the prayer you read includes part two, three, and four. Okay, so of the chart here. Yeah, so make all Christians bold in confession and unwavering in prayer. Is that what you're referring to? I believe. I believe that was four. What? Well, for the mission of the church, yeah, some of these are, they're, they're not necessarily going to be um, explicitly divided, uh -huh. you know, in that sense of, you know, giving in. And, you know, you, you may have noticed, too, that with the prayers 
or the petitions within the prayer of the church, you know, one week they might be here, but another week they might be here. You know, I mean, the, so it, it doesn't necessarily follow that they're always in the same particular order. So it's, it's not like, okay, um, I mean, generally we do give thanks to God first, right? And then, uh, you know, I mean, th this is not necessarily uh, a fixed pattern by which, okay, we want to we cover oh, number one and then two and three. It, it's not necessarily an order of the petitions. Uh, it, it, it can be. Um, so you'll notice in the in the prayer of the church, there, there there seems to be kind of this consistency or this regularity, you know, praying for the world, praying for the church, uh, praying for those who are sick, you know, giving thanks, uh, you know, praying for uh, pregnant mothers, you know, uh, as, as mentioned, praying for uh, those who are unemployed or underemployed, you know, the poor, you know, those in need and the like. We pray also generally for those who will be receiving communion. Um, we pray for those who grieve, those who are sick, you know, struggling, uh, whether it's physical or mental, whatever, uh, psychological. Uh, we pray for, uh, you know, also uh, that we remain in the faith to the end, you know, and the like. So, yeah, I mean, so, so the, the prayer, this is not to indicate that we pray for these things every Sunday, uh, but oftentimes we do. You know, and there may be other petitions too. Uh, again, depending on circumstance, I know like sometimes we'll pray for the weather. I know in, in the last couple months, we prayed a few times specifically for rain um, or for good weather. We do pray for good weather for the crops and, and so on and so forth too. Uh, not only for ourselves, but for those others who well, eat, which is everybody, right? As far as I know, everybody eats. Yeah. Everybody drinks. Now the amount might vary. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're, it's it's all here. The the, uh, the idea with the prayer of the church, though, is it, it consists of petitions greater than myself and uh, larger than just the local congregation. You know, so when we speak of the prayer of the church, we're speaking as a whole. Is the prayer of the church? Is it the same in every LCMS church every Sunday? No, no, no. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it varies. Um, no, that's. I, I think I misstated the question. Okay. Is every LCMS church praying the same thing during the prayer of the church? Not necessarily. Um, you know, many many congregations, and myself included, as as the pastor of this congregation, um, generally uh, will. Uh, you know, use the, the prayer of the churches as given by the LCMS Commission on Worship from the from the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are these are set prayers, and and sometimes I'll make adjustments. You know, uh, and the like, and I'm sure other pastors do too. You know, so they may be very similar. You know, the the wording is not necessarily going to be identical. Uh, but you know, generally speaking, uh, you know. In the prayer of the church, I, I would imagine that, that most congregations would be praying for the world, for their own congregation, uh, for the spreading of the gospel, you know, for the increasing of faith, you know, for the catechumens, for the baptized, you know, for those receiving the Lord's Supper, for the sick, for the dying, 
um, you know, concerning government and the like. Um, and by the way, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, referencing the government, where the government is doing its job, it makes it a whole lot easier for the church to function as she's given to do I'm sorry. No, as the government does her job, it makes it a lot easier for the church to do her job. And where the church is doing her job, it makes it a lot easier for those in the government then to do their job. Because, you know, um, and, and this, I, I heard this just recently, actually it was on Relevant Radio. Uh, I've mentioned that before. Uh, I thought I'd turn it on just to see what they're talking about. Um, and actually they were, they were talking about, uh, you know, the things that went on at the White House, or not the White House, but, you yeah. know, the Capitol. Yeah, the Capitol. And, uh, you know, the comment was made that uh, there were a few of the rioters that had signs, you know, that were Christian in nature, or flags or whatever, you know, like Jesus is Lord. And the comment was, and I kind of agree with them, the comment was, well, some are going to see this and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to say, oh, okay, so the right wing, these people are Christian. And they have, you know, you know, basically the justification for doing that is that they're Christians, so they're going to lump all Christians kind of together. Those who are unaware, right, of the distinctions. Oh, well, they're doing it, so, you know, and have, you ever, have you ever found out you're talking with others and you know they'll say something well don't all christians believe this and you're like no <laughs> yeah uh clarification here <laughs> right um but uh but usually it's not a question usually it's like all christians do this right yeah yeah right. very very fierce attacking right and I, I i think then you know we have an opportunity then to to give that you know clarification you know, to, to, to speak the truth. Yes, some under the banner of Christianity have done that and, and do that. Um, who, who is that uh, is, ex extremist Baptist group? Westboro. Westboro, yeah. Are they, where are they located? Is it Texas or? I don't have a clue. I, I can't remember. But Up north, Indiana or someplace? Yeah, I, I don't, but, but you hear, we have, I haven't heard too much about them of late, but I have. leader died. Oh, well, maybe that's why a year or two ago. But they were very extremist, you know. And I, I remember, uh, you know, I, I'll say this, uh, and then we uh, then we can take so a break. Uh, we might need to. Uh, but when I was, uh, you know, serving in yeah. Platteville in, in Wisconsin, Kansas, we had uh, we had sidewalk preachers every now and then. Oh yeah, you know, that came and and you know, sadly, I, I never was able to hear them. Uh, but some of our students who attended the congregation, um, you know, would tell me about it. And uh, one in particular had told me specifically about, you know, he talked with them afterwards and stuff like that. But they were saying they were saying things like, "All students are going to hell," you know, and and what you have to do is repent and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, just talking about that, there's this assumption um, on the the sidewalk preachers' part that you know they're 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 that is true that all are sinners, but there's also the assumption that none are Christian, right? Um, so that's on the the, the the speaker's end, but on the hear, on the listener's end, you know, there's also the facet of this that those who are hearing this, if they are Christian or if they're not Christian, they might think that most Christians are this way, and they're not, right? I mean, so 
So, you know, as you're engaging in conversation um, reasonably with someone, they might be kind of, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I am. Really? I thought all Christians were in your face, and and some are, you know. Um, one thing I've noticed with, uh, you know, I, I think very few Lutherans do this, um, but I know in other circles they do, you know, praise the Lord or amen is every in every sentence, right? And, and that's not a bad thing, uh, but, but is there any content to, you know, I, I've heard that, you know, from, uh, maybe I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop telling stories. Reach it, brother. Soon, but, um, I remember uh, we were at a, at a campus event, and it was like uh, the, the, the various campus ministries were involved. I, I, you know, like welcome, new, new student orientation welcome kind of thing. Um, and I, I don't remember if I had my clerical on. I, I don't think I did at the time. Um, but a student, you know, I, I started talking with a student, and I come to find that he's, uh, I think he's one of the leaders of, uh, or he was one of the leaders of camp, or involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. Have you heard of them before? They, yeah. They're called CRU now, C-R-U, so Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, but I, what I find interesting is, um, you know, just speaking with him for like probably two or three minutes, he said, hi, I'm a Christian, I'm with Campus Crusade for Christ. And every, every word after that was all about him and what he did and what he was doing. And it's like, that's really interesting. Because Christians, you know, as, as sinners, we'll talk about ourselves, but Christians confess Christ and speak of Christ, right? Um, so it's not so much about my faith, it's about what God has done for me, what God continues to do for me, what he gives me, and the like. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not, not all prayers in all churches are going to be similar or identical, but there will be similarities. Uh, and, and, and different circumstances, you know, will vary, you know, the petitions too. So, you know, congregations in Louisiana and in Texas or, you know, in Wisconsin where there's a huge snowstorm, I don't know if there is right now, but, you know, um, or where the pandemic is fiercely, you know, spreading, you know, the prayers there might be very different from, you know, from another part of the country where that congregation, maybe the pandemic is very light. Maybe they're not experiencing that at all, or or any any hardship like they are in other congregations, or blessings too. You know, so if you have a congregation that that uh, the majority of members are are elderly, the prayers might be the, the petitions might be very different from a congregation that that is mostly young families with many children. You know, um, you know, or what of a deaf congregation. Uh, you know, and, and so so circumstances are going to vary, especially you know, inclusive of you know, uh, like in campus ministry, or if uh, if, if, if uh, you know a congregation is, is serving um, you know another ethnic group, or there's a there's a high number of Muslims, like in Minneapolis, for example, you know the prayers might be very different, or if you're in the inner city. It's going to be very, like if you're in downtown Chicago or downtown St. Louis, you know, perhaps the petitions will be similar, but they will be very different depending on circumstance too. You know, uh, so I, I mean, it, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to consider, um, especially when, uh, you know, the church, 
you know, we, we kind of are, are very narrow in our focus a lot of times. At least I am. Uh, and I, I see that, or maybe I don't see it um, all the time. But, you know, we're, we're very narrow, but the church is universal. You know, again, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. Uh, and we're not praying for the deceased, we're praying for the living, of course, right? Um, you know, with, with petitions, yes, you can say that. That's fine. Amen. Um, Slide 176, uh, you have that, that's on page three. What I'd like to do is uh, have us look at some biblical texts concerning prayer. Now, certainly the, these uh, these texts are not exhaustive. We see that all over the place. Uh, just, you want to do a study just on the times that Jesus himself is found praying. Often by himself, right? Like on the mountain. Uh, and the like, or the uh, the Garden of Gethsemane uh, kind of thing. But first, uh, Matthew 18:20. Now you might ask the question after we read this: Why why would you include this on a biblical text concerning prayer? But could someone read verse 20 of Matthew 18, please? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Yeah, so what might, what, why might this be relevant, uh, you know, to prayer and praying? This text, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. It kind of signifies the fact that, you know... He's going to hear your prayer. Well, not only that, but also to... It's kind of like what we've been talking about, it's corporate prayer sometimes, you know, we have two or three... You know, we're praying for an individual. Uh, and again, you know, it just says two or three here, but that also could mean 20, 25, 26. Right. You know, right. A large group. It indicates that our Lord is there. Yeah. And if He's there, yeah, that means also He's also listening, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it, what's interesting with with this text, and I, I know I've used it a number of times with reference to, you know, the size of the congregation. Not the size of this congregation, but, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, there there is encouragement in the fact that the Lord does not look at how many, you know, uh, are in a church. As if to say that if there's more people in the congregation, then God is going to hear more readily than if only two or three are there. You know, and it, it's, it's not that way at all. Or, or this idea, and this is, you know, Jesus mentions this uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel and other places too, as, as does Paul, you know, um, and I think also in Proverbs, you know, it's not in the amount of, or the, 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 the quantity of the prayer either. You know, some people just pray and 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 pray, and pray uh, but they do so not having faith. In other words, they're just speaking. I mean, that's what Jesus was trying to get across when he the Lord's Prayer too sometimes because you know he was making mention of the fact that the Pharisees stand there and pray for long periods of time just so they can see. So yeah. exactly. Mm. You know, and, and, and you know it, you know, I, I pray that we, we don't fall into the trap of thinking, okay, if I pray more, God is gonna hear me more. because uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, it, it's it's rather out of faith, you know. And uh you know, some have said that, that prayer is, is really the fruit of faith. You know, now now we, we certainly could take some time 
and you know, perhaps in the future we will. But when it comes to prayer, not everything that that one says is prayer is actually prayer. For example, if you, if you recall, in, in one of my um, my go-to accounts uh, in Luke's gospel, you know, is uh, the the account that Jesus gives of the the, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple. Yeah. Uh, and I, well, it's, it's not here. I, I know it's 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 somewhere nearby, but. Uh, you know where where you have the Pharisee, who uh, who initially says, and I'm paraphrasing here, thank you God for not making me like oh, yeah. this guy mm-hmm. over here. That's not a prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and and notice uh, just in terms of the length of prayer, the Pharisee prayed a few more words than the other guy did, but the tax collector said simply, Father, for you know, God forgive me, a sinner. You know, and he didn't he didn't pray so everybody would see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his concern was that God hear his petition and that he receive mercy. And the Lord Jesus says that this man, the tax collector, one will justify and not the other one. Right? Um, you know, so not every you know, and, and this kind of could lead into another conversation too, with reference to okay, well. Um, you know, some Christians, I, I think, uh, do this, and they say, well, what you need to do is pray, and it's speaking to a non-Christian. But biblically speaking, a non-Christian cannot rightly pray. That's right. Because they don't have faith in Christ Jesus. You know, what you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart. Well, if you're not a Christian, you can't do that. I don't think it wants to be there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not that he doesn't, I don't think. Uh, because God, you know, the, the scriptures do teach that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But of themselves, sinners can't do that. Right? If they have a longing for God's mercy, um, then they very likely already have faith because otherwise they wouldn't want God's mercy. Oh, I can do it myself. Right? Uh, but such is not the case. And, and you know, prayer to, you know, we, we talked at this, uh, about this last week, but prayer to Brahma is not a true Christian prayer. You know, or, or prayer just generally to, to any God that is out there. Um, nor is, uh, um, there's a movie, maybe I mentioned this before, if I did, stop me uh, so we can move on. But I, I think it's simply called The Gray. It's got Liam Neeson in there. That's probably why we watched it. Uh, but Liam Neeson, he uh, he's in Alaska. Does that ring a bell to anybody? He's in Alaska, and um, they're they're uh, he's he's with the group. Um, I think they were like oil drillers and stuff. But he was one that he would go out and uh, you know protect the people from wolves and stuff like that. So, uh, but they were in a plane crash, and there were a few survivors, and then they they wanted to get from point A to point B, and there was a pack of wolves that was following them. Um, I don't want to give it away if you want to watch it. Um, but towards the end, you know, he's uh, he's kind of had it up to here. He's very tired and, and weary and the like. Uh, and he says, God, if you're there, you know, save me or something like that. And it, it, it's very, it, it's a, you know, especially for, for a Christian, it's a very profound time because here he's, he's by himself. He's leaning on a rock and he's looking up to heaven and he's praying and there's no answer. So he says, in effect, to heck with you. And it's like, God doesn't work that way. 
you know, he, he's not he's not on our time. You know, we're on his. But but you know, it, it made me think, and I, the way reason I commented on that or and, and, and spoke about it is because that too was not a prayer. You know, God answer me now. It's if you're not there. A prayer, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, so so we do distinguish. We we, we we distinguish between prayers that God has commanded us to pray. You know, for forgiveness of sins, for example, we don't say, God, forgive me if it's your will that you forgive me. Because we know it's his will to forgive us. So thinking of uh, Moses in the book of Exodus, when the people uh, went rogue, you know, and, and, and committed idolatry and he was God was going to destroy them, Moses intercedes for the people and reminds God of his grace and his mercy that he has promised to them. He reminds God of his own word, right? And and that is a confident prayer. Um, and for that, we don't say, Lord, if it's your will. We don't say, Lord, if it's your will, save us unto eternal life. Um, rather, do we pray, God, you have promised to save us unto eternal life through faith in your Son. And we might say, help us believe. You know, help us be stronger in faith. You know, kind of like the man who... Uh, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, the disciples were not able to cast out this demon for the, from uh, this boy's this son. Or, not the boy, the father's son. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and uh, and Jesus says, oh, you have little faith to his disciples. Uh, but, you know, he's having conversation with the father and what seems to be the problem. And, and Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible for him. And the man says, remember, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. That is the prayer of the Christian. I do believe, but I'm very weak in faith. You know, give me strength of faith and the like. And, and we don't say, if it's your will, because we know it is, because he has made that known. But when it comes to, for example, that uh, that new car that we're, or that new house, or Mercedes -Benz. a spouse, or, you know, uh, a child, um, you know, uh, whatever the case might be, where God has not explicitly promised, you know, to meet us with that, you know, to give that, then we do pray, Thy will be done. Um, so we make a distinction there. Do you think the vast majority of us are weak in faith? Yes. Or do we just feel weak? Probably yes. We've always got the devil roaring around. It's getting power. So long since he was here walking physically on this earth. Is anyone else getting weary? Weary? I'm weary. Tired? Yes. I'm very you know, weary. frustrated. You know, yeah. I, I mean, and, and you know, and, and, and you know, in, in our circumstances, as as you know, before us too. What does Jesus say? I'm thinking of Matthew 11. You know, come to me, all you who are, who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's not talking about. He's not talking about primarily physical rest there. You know, give me a, just a chance to sleep. No, he's not talking about that. <laughs> but, oh, you know, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he does give that too, by the way. Right? I mean, so, Lord, give me some time to rest and relax a little bit, you know, R&R &R kind of thing. The Lord does give that too, but more significantly and, and more more important is, is the eternal rest that we have in God the Father through Jesus Christ. You know, um, in, in, in one of the classes that I that, that I that I teach, um, it's on vocation. It's, it's it's called callings or vocation, Christian vocation. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I may have mentioned that, uh, that any number of students in the class, I, I think there's probably one, if even that, that are true Lutheran. You know, and this is a Concordia University, of all things. But uh, I, I think many are just, they don't necessarily express this verbally, you know, everywhere. Hmm. Um, but but I, I've spoken with some of these students and, and, and some others too. When we learn about vocation, the, the true gift of vocation and how God uses us according to his will and not according to our own, it's kind of like the burden is lifted off our shoulders. You mean I don't have to, you know, try to figure out things to do? Uh, yeah, because it's right in front of you. Well, but I'm already changing the diaper. I'm already, yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is how you serve your neighbor. You know, and, and you know, when, when, when Jesus says, come to me, all you who, weary, who are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Um, you know, again, he's not talking about physical rest, but, but spiritual rest. You know, the, the burden of, you know, the rat race of trying to do better and better and better to get right with God, that's no more. Because in Christ Jesus, you already are right with God through faith in him. You know, so, I mean, the words of Jesus when he's on the cross, when he says, it is finished, and he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, this he has done. Which means, by the way, and this startles a lot of people, I think a lot of Christians, um, when you say, there's nothing you have to do to earn eternal life. Does that sound strange? I mean, just, just with those words. I mean, we believe it, yes. But, but how strange does that sound? We, you know, part of us, I, I think, uh, and maybe I'm just expressing my own sinful nature here, but part of me wants to say, but there's gotta be something I gotta do. We're all wired that way. Yeah. We wanna do it. And yet, what does the Lord say? It like is the little kid says, I wanna do it myself. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's not, well, okay, now it's like, you know, vocation serving neighbor, you don't have to, to be saved, right? Um, but this is how you serve your neighbor. And, you know, what does what has Christ done on the cross? He's, he's he ultimately served his neighbor, right? You know, and God's love given unconditionally. And so, you know, so John writes in his first epistle, the fourth chapter, God is love. As God has loved you, so also we also ought to love one another you know, and, and demonstrate that love freely. And the problem is, of course, we have this thing called the sinful nature. You know, so a lot of what we do is so others will recognize us, or others will reward us, or, you know, um, I, I sometimes would joke, well, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll wash the dishes just because I want my wife to notice that I did something. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that, please. Um, I get in trouble, but, um, but I mean, it, it's kind of along the same idea, like you do things because you want that recognition. Is, uh, would you say that was doing the right thing for the wrong reason? Um, the reason why I'm thinking is because, because yeah, I, we, we, it could be the right thing, it could be the wrong thing. Uh, but you hear, I'll ask another question. You know, is doing the right thing for the wrong reason still the right thing to do? You know, yeah, well, it's the right thing to do, but you might be yeah. looking for the wrong result. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I guess what, what I'm learning to ask is. You know, not so much, you know, is this right or wrong, but Lord, forgive me. <laughs> you know, just, just, just put the whole thing out. <laughs> you know, uh, 
Because that, I mean, that's the way it is with sin. I mean, you, we, we can't say, okay, well, I, I, I didn't sin here that much, but here I did. That much. You know, kind of thing. And there is that temptation to kind of just start equivocating. Say, well, I'm not sinning that much over there, but I'm sinning more over here, you know, kind of thing. And, and I, I think that's a greater danger uh, because we start kind of, you know, uh, balancing, you know, or measuring. And, okay, I'm more sinful here, I'm less sinful here. Uh, but, uh, you know, sin, you know, sin, according to Scripture, is not primarily external, though it is. Uh, sin is primarily of the heart. You know, it, it's a condition. I, I don't know, did anyone catch this? I, I won't talk about it too much here, but when we get back to uh, uh, Sunday morning, when it, when it comes across... Uh, in Thessalonians, there's this place, and from the King James Version, it said concupiscence. <laughs> concupiscence. Does anyone remember hearing that on Sunday morning from the reading in Thessalonians? May read. I know I did, I, and I didn't say anything then, but uh, but but be listening for that. It's it's only in the King James Version, I think. Um, but. Uh, but concupiscence, you know, has to do with, you know, the state of the, the condition of the heart, you know, which which is inclusive of this desire to sin, too. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. For now, um, turn to Luke 11. Now, in Luke 11, the first, uh, the first few verses have to do with, uh, this is Luke's account of, uh, of Jesus uh, giving the uh, Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Mm. As we refer it, or we refer to it as, um, and what's interesting about Luke's gospel, the eleventh chapter, in distinction from the parallel account, which is in Matthew's gospel, Matthew six, in Luke's gospel, uh, one of the disciples, and this is in verse one, actually asked Jesus after Jesus was finished praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples." And Jesus said to them, when you pray, with the expectation, of course, that they will pray, say, um, he doesn't say, you know, when you pray, use words like this. When he, when, when, you know, he doesn't say, you know, don't say these exact same words. And, and some groups will actually uh, kind of teach that. Um, but he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. All right, so, uh, you know, here is, uh, you know, like I said, Matthew 6 is the parallel, although there, there are some distinctions between the two accounts. But... Uh, but here, you know, when you pray, say, Father, well, and, and think about this, too. When Jesus says, you know, when, when Jesus says to his disciples, you know, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, what do you think Jesus might be praying? Or to who is Jesus praying? Right? The Father. That, that, uh, that you know, the, the first person plural, I, I think, is... is uh, you know, something that we might be able to spend time on, uh, you know, just in terms of pondering and thinking about, but our Father, 
through faith in Christ Jesus, the Father of Jesus is also whose Father? Our own. You know, so so what we we, we said uh, earlier about you know prayer, you know, and uh, you know the the universal church, we're we're praying together, um, you know, to the Lord Himself uh, to hear our petitions for the sake of the Son of Jesus Christ. All right, let's uh, let's go to First uh, Timothy chapter two. Uh, the time remaining we have, so we'll we'll look at First uh, Timothy two, and then uh, I want to look at James one also. And could someone read verses 1 through 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 2? Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and, give, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We'll, we'll kind of go backwards here. How many people does God uh, desire to be saved? All oh. people. Yeah. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, and, and, and then uh, looking at the text, so in verse 3, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God. What is good and what is pleasing in the sight of God? You know, in, in terms of praying, you know, for all people, verse one, also for rulers mm -hmm. and all of who are in high positions. And, and this was kind of um, was reminded of this just just recently. Uh, but Paul, you know, writing to Timothy, you know, do you remember uh, which government was in, in reigning at that time when Paul was writing? The Romans. Yeah, were were they? Were, were they always uh, fair and just and, no, no, no. And, 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 you know, good rulers? Uh, what, what's amazing to me, you know, and, and, and kind of thinking of today too, but what's amazing to me is you look at the New Testament and, you know, even as bad as Pilate was, right, or King Herod, I don't remember ever a time where we have the apostles or Jesus himself saying, okay, we have to uh, pray against them. We have to act against them. We have to riot. We have to show our freedom, and and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. But but rather just the opposite. Continue to pray for them. Uh, also, you know, uh, and, and I don't I don't think many many like to hear this, but that's also bear with those who are in uh, ruling authorities right now, because who is God? What does that mean in our society in our time today? What did it mean? back then. Who is God? You know, think of Ezekiel when we were studying Ezekiel. Did God stop becoming God because of the judgment that was coming? No. No. You know, even though the uh, the Jews, the, the I should say the, the Israelites, uh, the people of God, the sons of Israel, even though they were taken into exile because of, uh, because of their transgressions, God did not stop being God because of that. Right? And, and, and I, I didn't you know, encourage you with with this that uh, God remains God today too, regardless of how much we might have to bear, regardless of how concerned we might be, and justifiably so. 
because of all that we see around us. God remains God. And uh, just because we we don't see, you know, uh, all the blessings and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the prosperity of the gospel. And what I mean by that is the flourishing of the gospel, people coming to faith and the like. That doesn't mean God's not doing this thing. God is still being faithful. God is still keeping his promises. And God will continue to do so. Uh, regardless of what we might experience day in, day out, at a given time or a given moment in history. And we know this to be true because all our sins were already taken care of on the cross with Jesus Christ's death. And by the way, he also rose from the dead. So in 1 John chapter 5, we're not going to be able to get to James today. Uh, maybe we'll continue that next week. But uh, but in 1 John chapter 5, you know, John the evangelist writes that this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith having the object in Jesus Christ. You know, faith that has confidence in, in him who has risen from the dead, and by the way, who has promised to return at his time, not ours. Um, so into his hands we continue to commend ourselves. 